Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Reese. Good evening, if you're listening to this as it comes out. Um, I don't know. Uh, sorry, it's a little bit later today. It's been quite a busy day, even by lockdown standards. Um, this one is not going to be the usual coronavirus update section of the podcast. This is going to be a big picture episode because, surprise, surprise, other things are still happening in the world and I want to keep people updated on what is actually going on in the worlds of politics, both here and in America. So, starting um, starting in America, where, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but in November they're meant to be having a presidential election. And... At the moment, there's nothing to say that, that will not be happening, and I hasten to add any reports that um, some sort of block or postponement on the November 2020 presidential election, all those reports, unconfirmed and uh, no actual substance as of yet. That is because uh, under federal law, there is a federal law that just says uh, the election is held uh, four years after the previous election on the uh, first Thursday after the first Monday in November. And it would take a law passing both houses of Congress, so the House of Representatives and the Senate, uh, which are in split party control. The Democrats have the uh, House and the Republicans have the Senate. Um, a law would have to pass both of those houses in order to amend that first law and therefore delay an election. So any stories saying that Donald Trump by executive order could simply postpone the election are um, as of right now unless he's or his team have found some arcane presidential precedent that um, allow him to do it or find it between now and then. Any stories about that right now uh, are not grounded in reality. Um, as well as the presidential election, of course, there are primaries going on. And uh, whilst Donald Trump has won his primary already, he already has the required number of delegates, and all of his opponents have dropped out. There were only two anyway, and they never really stood a chance at all. But um, Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president in 2020. He has got a clear run at this. The only thing in its way, uh, well, it's a large obstacle, it is COVID-19 or the coronavirus and the US's response to that. Um, It all really depends. His entire candidacy essentially now depends on his handling of that. Um, Obviously, if it goes badly, he will essentially be a dead man walking into the presidential election in November because if people remember what happened in 2008 for George W. Bush and the Republican Party uh, didn't win in the 2008 election because a new candidate wanted to sort of sweep away what Bush had done uh, and that's a change of Republican candidate well if they leave things in a holy mess in 2020 albeit with the origins well out of their control um, with the coronavirus. If Donald Trump leaves an unholy mess on uh, America's doorstep for the 2020 presidential election, doesn't matter how energised his supporters are, 
uh, there will be enough people turning out to vote for the opposition, whoever that may be. Which leads us nicely on to the Democratic primary, which is, um, well, it's more competitive than the Republican primary, but I wouldn't go so far as to call it an actual competitive primary. Um, Joe Biden has over a thousand delegates, I think he has over a thousand one hundred delegates. In order to win on the first count, so before superdelegates get added in, um, if any of these phrases aren't familiar, uh, go back and check up on the rest of the 2020 Vision series of the podcast. That'll be kicking off again once uh, the primaries get back into full swing after this is all over. Um, but in order to win on the first count at a national convention, you need 1,991 pledged delegates. So Joe Biden, only about 800 delegates away. And Bernie Sanders, well, he is stuck on 840 or there or thereabouts in terms of delegates. So the maths look firmly weighted in Joe Biden's favour. Of course, that's a big turnaround from how it was, um, seems weird to say, uh, only about a month or so ago. In fact, just over a month ago, we were looking for the run-up to the South Carolina primary. Bernie Sanders was the runaway favourite to be the Democratic nominee for president. Joe Biden, well, we were really worried about his candidacy. Um, the the media, uh, myself included, actually, were sort of getting ready to, to write him off. We were all thinking he's got his hopes completely pinned on South Carolina. If South Carolina fails and it looks like it, it's wavering a little bit, then we could see the end of the Biden candidacy. And even if South Carolina pulls through, what's going to happen on Super Tuesday? With all those other moderate candidates in the field, what is actually going to happen to Biden? And then, of course, he won and won big in South Carolina, uh, which was the, the largest delegate win of the race so far. And then, one by one, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, uh, Mike Bloomberg all dropped out of the presidential race. Buttigieg and Klobuchar before Super Tuesday... Bloomberg after an intensely disappointing Super Tuesday, leaving Joe Biden to sort of sweep the centrist votes. And now he looks mathematically probable to win that Democratic nomination. He's certainly acting like he's already got it. Um, he has been making more conciliatory tones in his press conferences, in any media appearances he's been making. Um, there's just one small problem, and that's Bernie Sanders hasn't conceded the race yet. Um, for the Joe Biden camp, this is an unwanted thorn in their side. They'd hoped that after Super Tuesday and then Mini Tuesday, where Biden comfortably defeated uh, Bernie Sanders, despite Ohio postponing their presidential primary, um, Biden has really pounded Sanders into the ground in this race over the last few weeks. Uh, they were hoping that Sanders would just get up and go, uh, hoping that he wouldn't put up too much of a fight, that he would leave the way open for Joe Biden to move into an uncontested convention where he could essentially be in as strong a position in terms of party unity as Donald Trump is at the head of the Republican Party, i.e. no major challenges coming anywhere near him by the time July rolls around, or in fact uh, June-July rolls around and we're getting towards convention, convention time, where of course the Democrats aim to bring the party back together after what could be a fraught uh, campaign in terms of the primaries, um, and they aim to really launch their presidential campaign, which you really have to do at that convention.
The fact that Bernie Sanders is still in the race makes it challenging for Joe Biden. Does he continue to do debates? Does he continue to try and do some form of fundraising, some form of campaigning? Um, this is made much harder in the current situation, obviously with COVID-19 or the coronavirus going through America as we speak. Uh, mass gatherings, of course, not really part of what's actually going to be going on at all. Um, no mass gatherings for either candidate. And in terms of actual personal health, all three of the major candidates for president, Sanders, Biden and Trump, they're all over 70. They're all in this very vulnerable category. Um, so Joe Biden, he would have liked to have been able to capitalise on the momentum. He's sort of been, been stranded a bit, like, like Pete Buttigieg was after Iowa, because the Iowa results took so long to come out, Buttigieg couldn't capitalise on them after that. Uh, now, because of these admittedly completely out of his control circumstances, Joe Biden can't capitalise on what is a very strong position in the Democratic race. Um, as well as this, in this time of national and, in fact, international uh, crisis where a global response is required and strong leadership is required and, more to the point, unified leadership is required, it looks bad to criticise the president. And, of course, that is exactly what Joe Biden's campaign strategy has to be. In order to beat Donald Trump, you have to first take off some of that allure that um, binds his supporters so inexorably to him. Um, and without attacking Donald Trump's record, without going after some of the things he's done, uh, which some people will still see as positives, but others will be more inclined to follow Joe Biden's ideas, um, without attacking the president, you can't chip away at that. Uh, what some people would use as the, the Trump facade. And this current situation makes it very difficult for Joe Biden to actually do that. You can't be seen to be attacking the government in a time of national crisis. That's like, um, I don't know, to, to use an example, if Clement Attlee had come out of the 1940-45 to 45 wartime coalition, uh, all guns blazing at Winston Churchill whilst the war was still going on. It's not a good look, and it doesn't tend to do very well with the public, especially if the public perception of the leader during that time is generally favourable, as opinion polls seem to be showing the public perception of Donald Trump is right now. Whether that will change over the next few weeks or months, we just don't know. So that has all put Joe Biden in a real bind. Uh, not to mention the fact that he is still just as gaff-prone as he always has been, um, it is getting difficult for Biden. He doesn't really have many options. Now, with America sort of seen to, uh, admittedly it's gone on slightly longer than I would have expected to, I can now turn my attention to the United Kingdom, where, yes, politics is still going on, the best example of which, the Labour leadership election. That is still planned to go ahead for the 4th of April. There have been no um, postponements. It is, of course, not now going to be as part of a special conference of the Labour Party. There will not be um, thousands of people packing into conference halls and venues to try and find out who the next leader is. That would, of course, be farcical under the circumstances. But there are still three candidates for leadership. Sakia Starmer, the shadow uh, Brexit secretary, although, in fact, I do believe his post has actually been abolished as the Brexit Department or the Department for Exiting the European Union has been abolished, so I'm not actually sure what his role is currently. Um, Lisa Nandy, a backbench MP in the Labour Party, 
and Rebecca Longbaney, the Shadow uh, Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy uh, Minister or Secretary of State, I should say. And those candidates are going into this all with a viable chance of winning, although I will have to put it bluntly, it looks like Keir Starmer is a strong favourite. Um, I'm actually in the process of getting together a special episode for you guys with some uh, collaboration uh, with someone who's approached me on Instagram, so I look forward to bringing you a more in-depth look uh, at that um, the Labour leadership election uh, with with a special guest on the podcast. More details to follow, but we will um, again just wait and see for that one. But it does look like Keir Starmer is a favourite. Um, Rebecca Long Bailey has come under uh, more media pressure again, as we've seen with Jeremy Corbyn in the actual general election of 2019. And Rebecca Long Bailey, they seem to be getting more media scrutiny, whether or not that's um, a realistic claim, well, I will leave you to watch the interviews that go on and make your own opinions on them, but it's certainly a claim that goes around. Um, of the three, probably Lisa Nandy looks as if she is the least favourite to win, but of course, right up until um, election day, Jeremy Corbyn was one of the least favourites to win uh, in 2015. He was up against three candidates who were all perceived as very strong and they ended up all taking chunks out of each other. So um, with Keir Starmer divisive with people on the Corbynite wing of the party and Rebecca Long-Bailey divisive with people on the Blairite wing of the party or the new Labour side of the party there is certainly room for Lisa Nandy, someone who has a proven track record of not really um, picking the a definitive side of the Labour party. She is very much trying to build a consensus, although all candidates are to some extent, but Nandy has possibly the best track record on that. There is certainly room for her to come through and and win the leadership, but there is a long way to go. What is certain is uh, that this election will determine the nature of British politics for quite some time, with Labour certainly in opposition until 2024, barring any uh, snap general elections that go awry for the Conservative government. Uh, this person will, again, barring any uh, personal mishaps or other events, will be leader of the opposition uh, until 2024, giving them plenty of time to put a project in order. That was probably always the Corbyn plan. He was expecting to be leader of the opposition from 2015 to 2020 and then have a crack at a Tory government in 2020 and maybe that plan would have worked perfectly had he been able to execute it but of course that didn't happen what we do think though is that with such a strong majority that will probably be um, a real possibility for the next leader of the Labour Party so this election will possibly have ramifications on British politics for the next five years and beyond that because it will have a an incredibly severe bearing on the outcome of that 2024 general election. Along with the leadership election, there is also a deputy leadership election. There are still five candidates up for that. On a side note, one of those candidates, Angela Rayner, has actually, I believe, self-isolated with symptoms of COVID-19, so I wonder how they are actually going to be playing that particular scenario as it happens, uh, but we will just have to wait and see with that. Um, Again, some very strong candidates and room for a surprise winner. I won't go through all of them, I'll save that for our 
uh, a preview episode again with that special guest. But as I have slightly run over time, all that remains is for me to say thank you very much for listening to the Politics Unboxed podcast. Um, I hope to see you around again soon for the next one. Once again, sorry this has been a little bit late in getting out today, uh, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. (laughs) Thank you.